Hey, this is Jamin. Uh, this week we talked about prophecy at Apollos, and we had a lot of great discussion, uh, talked about a lot of great things. And you, you got to listen all the way through if you're going to listen, because some great questions were asked, and um, we ended up getting on uh, some other topics with other great comments, questions, and a lot of great stories. Uh, you also want to download the PDF off of my blog. That's where you can catch up with that. Uh, download the PDF at www.newfangled.wordpress.com. That's www.newfangled.wordpress.com. Uh, there you'll find the PDF. You can download it and read it through with us as uh, we talk over this stuff. Uh, once you're at the blog, just search Apollos, and you'll find all the entries. Just all the all the entries. Just scroll down to the one that says prophecy. And here's our discussion from the other night. Okay, as I was saying, <laughs> talking about prophecy today, which a lot of times people freak out about because a lot of times uh, people associate it kind of with demonic things, you know. Typically what pops in your mind is fortune tellers or uh, um, tarot cards or crystal balls and all these kind of things. I don't know what comes to your mind. Unless you're more associated with it, then you may be thinking the good sides. <laughs> if you've seen the good sides, it's great because this is one of the greatest gifts. Actually, I've said this before, but both like Moses is like, I wish you all had the gift of prophecy that the Spirit would baptize you in this way. And uh, Paul, he's talking about all the gifts. He's like, I really wish you all would prophesy among above tongues and other things. So it's really a big gift. Um, but what usually comes to your mind? Anything stereotyped in your head? End times prophecies. End times. Yeah. Mm. That's usually one of the big ones. What else? Jody? Anything? No, okay. End times prophecy, that's usually a huge one because people think of it as this distant, long away thing, which it's not necessarily not, of course. Um, uh, but you've kind of got, you've got kind of two roles with God in the Old Testament. The prophets were actually kind of put into the kingdom ministry. Like they spoke to the king. You've kind of got like kings, priests, and prophets, and the prophets, like you really see when you read, we're going through Samuel right now in church, but you see we're just about to make a shift from uh, God's just kind of your king to everyone's complaining, we really want a king right now, to God actually being like, all right, fine, I'll give you a king, but probably way ahead of time before he at least ever intended to. Um, because this wasn't really what he wanted to do. You can just tell, like, he gives a king because they won't stop whining about it. But uh, if you're going to have a king, the king also gets a prophet. And you see throughout the Old Testament that there's prophets who speak to the kings to tell them what's on God's mind. And sometimes the kings get mad, and other times uh, they repent, especially when their life's at stake. Oh, uh, you're going to die in a few few years. No, I'm sorry. Okay, you got a few more years now. These kind of things. Um, so the prophets uh, had a big role in being the voice of God. And that's the thing. The priests, that's what you've been familiar with a lot throughout the Old Testament. Prophecy has been there also. But the priests speak up to God. 
they intercede towards God, they speak upwards. The prophets bring God's word downwards to the people. So you're speaking up to God to intercede, or God speaking down to humans through the prophets. Priests up, and the prophets down. Um, and as you can tell from like Moses and from uh, Paul's description, like they really wanted prophecy to be big. Like they wanted everybody to hear the voice of God. It's actually something that we usually always want in our churches, right? Like we go up all the time. God, tell me your will, right? How many people you've seen pleading up front at an altar call? Just tell me what to do. Go to Africa. Never mind. I changed my mind. <laughs> there's actually there's one guy I was here to speak that he made a good point. Like um, sometimes, like you know, maybe God won't say something because once He says it, you're held accountable to it. Mm-hmm. You know, like uh, if He puts that out there and you don't follow up to it, it's kind of like a sin. Like you backed off of what you were supposed to do. So sometimes maybe the more you press into God, the more relationship you have with Him, the more that He'll deposit into you about what you should be doing right. when He feels He can hold you accountable to it. Other times He'll uh, <laughs> just kind of put it out there. I was at an event once, and I was that guy. I was like, God, tell me what you want me to do. I don't know. And then the guy on the stage, uh, this is a charismatic event, he's like, he just got done preaching about missions. All of a sudden he's like, uh, um, Abigail, you're supposed to go to Africa. <laughs> and all of a sudden I hear someone up front, No! I can't! No! I don't want to! <laughs> just crying out. I'm like, and I'm just actually like, that could have been me. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, you know what? Whatever you want, I'll figure it out as we go. <laughs> this is just somebody, you know. That's the same thing with Jonah, right? Uh, I don't know. He's a prophet. He hears the voice of God. He's known for that. And you wonder, you know, like, is he sure that God said this? You're pretty sure when you book a boat to go several hundred miles in the opposite direction. And on top of that, like the payment that you'd have to make to get on that boat. Like you could tell he was sure. Sometimes when you hear the voice of God, you freak out and you don't want to do it. Um, But that's what prophecy is. Uh, it it's, comes in different forms, different senses, but all together, it's hearing the voice of God, voice of God coming down and going out. And because of the New Testament and what Jesus did, First uh, Peter also calls us a royal priesthood, right? So we're kind of like this royal priesthood. We can intercede. We can talk to God. And then we've also got the Holy Spirit inside of us, and we've all been given a... Uh, the gift, as you'll see, that Paul says that he wishes we all would prophesy, that we can move in that way. And you kind of see from Corinthians that you can learn too. But uh, there's some misunderstandings about prophecy. It's on your next page. Uh, you guys kind of gave some. Anything else come to mind when you think of prophecy, just what it would be? Oh, like, you know, certain day the world's going to end. Yeah, May 21st. World's coming to an end. Y2K. Y2K, that's a good one. My grandma Six freaked out about that one. Yeah. Do you remember that? What was it? June 6, 2006. Oh, yeah. I think I remember people talking. They drove all around in the Schwanzrack. They're like, I can't believe you're working. And I said, it's 6, 6, 2006. I said, I'd freak out if it was June 6 of the year 6. But we're way past that. 
That's a good point. Good <laughs> <laughs> thing about that. What about from a, a good perspective? Because you've grown up in the vineyard church. <coughs> It's amazing, not only for them, but for the person trying to prophesy also. Um, Well, a lot of the misunderstandings of prophecy, actually, they tend to have some kind of, well, not all of these, but sometimes they have truth to to them. Like the first one, a lot of people, when you think of prophecy, Nick, you said it's the future, right? That was you. Uh, That's usually what goes through a lot of people's minds, like, oh, they're going to tell you the future and how things are going to end and things like this. And you see that in every single movie, too. Like, go to some fortune teller. and Funny, demons are telling you when you're going to die. Go figure, you know. (laughs) That sounds really life-giving. But that's typically what you're used to thinking about. Prophecy is all about the future. When you actually read through, like, 1 Corinthians, which we'll get to in a minute, it's like the cleanest look you get at an Old Testament or a New Testament church. What the early church, what you would do during a church service. Um, and what you see is that it's actually for the present that you go and you uh, prophesy over someone in that moment. And you might be telling them about the future or you just may be speaking right to their heart. Um, Paul says, like, you disclose the secrets of their heart. Mm-hmm. Like, I've never told anyone that. How do you know that? Like, that's not telling the future. That's telling them something that you wouldn't know unless God told you because you've never met this person or they've never told that to you or they've never told it to anyone um so not all prophecy is about the future it can be about the past it can be about the present and of course revelation especially shows us (laughs) even uh daniel shows us some of the revelation things it can be about the future Um, a lot of times when i thought about prophecy i thought about weird images like all prophecy would be weird images so i always expected that when the day came, when God was going to use me to prophesy, I was going to be like, I see a tree, and it's orange, and it's, uh, oh, now I can see it in real life. <laughs> it's right behind you. Turn around. If you don't see it, I see it. You know, that's how I thought prophecy would be like, no, Jody thinks I'm crazy. Okay. <laughs> that's kind of what I figured, because when you read books like Ezekiel, mm-hmm. try reading it sometime. It's as weird as it gets. Tires with eyes and fire and Sounds like this video game I played. Like, that's a lot of times what I thought prophecy would be, uh, visionary type things. Um, all modern day prophecy is false. Did anyone here grow up under like a cessationist understanding of the Bible that all gifts have been gone? No? Been told that. You've been told that. Anyone grow up under it? No? Um, I. That's kind of how I always understood things when I grew up. If I asked, uh, we weren't totally familiar with anything, so it usually just came out. Those things don't happen anymore. Those things died with the apostles. So that's why, even more so, I'm excited about it today is because I found out that it's not. Um, And uh, you do find, the thing is, a lot of people will think it's false because the things that make the headlines, right, are the ones that aren't. I graduated May 21st when the uh, apocalypse was happening. 
you know, and that, that didn't happen right there. That's one that makes uh, headlines. I've driven by plenty of churches with their billboard signs out front. It's like, God's going back this year again. <laughs> you, you see these like everywhere. Like, I don't even know how many I've come across. Probably like two. But no, you, you see, you see plenty of those things. And those are the things that people are like, oh, they're doing it again, those Christians. That's why a lot of times you figure that prophecy is false because it's the future and it's coming now and now they're a false prophet because they were wrong. Or all modern day prophecy is demonic, um, especially when Christians, uh, sometimes when you take on the cessationist view, what I've noticed, when you don't believe that supernatural things happen and then all of a sudden you hear about something happening, it must have been demonic. (laughs) Because God doesn't do those things anymore, but demons do. Um, So it usually gets just attributed uh, in that way. And let's face it, demons can try to confuse you and come across as though they're they're being God or holy. Like, uh, maybe you know this verse, Acts 16, 16 through 18. It happened that as we were going to the place of prayer, a slave girl having a spirit of divination met us who was bringing her masters much profit by fortune-telling. Following after Paul and us, she kept crying out, These men are bondservants of the Most High God who are proclaiming to you the way of salvation. She continued doing this for many days. But Paul was greatly annoyed and turned and said to the Spirit, I command you in the name of Jesus to come out of her. And it came out at that very moment. It takes a lot of discernment to be able to tell, Oh, it's Jesus. (laughs) Jesus, he's the way to salvation. Come out, you demon. (laughs) It's kind of confusing, but uh, that's... That takes a, a lot of uh, a discernment to be able to tell that sometimes. But even see throughout the New Testament, uh, the Pharisees are like, who's this dude? And then the people with demons in them are like, it's Jesus. He's here. <laughs> Jody, it's okay. Uh, but you, you see a lot of those kind of things, right? That like the demons know who, who Jesus is. And it seems a lot of times like, in this situation, like, when the demons were trying to talk to Jesus, he's always like, it's not my time to be known that way, right? You kind of get this feeling in here that uh, um, the demon and this girl is trying to get this guy in trouble too, like, they'll believe. Or that if they'll annoy him enough, they'll be cast out or something, because after Paul casts it out, they get, like, chased out of town. So you can see how even that kind of profited them in a weird way, profited the demons in a weird way. Um... But one of the things I, I try to say, especially when we are under cessationist things, uh, it's a verse that people really don't point out very often, but Jesus um, is having a conversation with the Pharisees. And you've heard the story, at least, like uh, Jesus casting out demons. And they're like, oh, you're casting out demons by Beelzebub, the chief of all the demons. And it's at that point that Jesus like turns and is like, uh, you're blaspheming the Holy Spirit right now, which... You can blaspheme the Son of Man, but when you blaspheme the Holy Spirit, that is an unforgivable sin. Uh, whoever speaks a word against the Son of Man, it shall be forgiven him. But whoever speaks against the Holy Spirit, it shall not be forgiven him, either in the age, in this age, or in the age to come. Um, and I, I point that out to be if if you're going to say that demons are the only source of supernatural things. Um, then you're treading on some very thin ice. That's the right expression, right? Because if, if you come across and you've now uh, 
just because anytime you see supernatural, you attribute it to demons. If it's God and you just called him a demon, that's exactly what the Pharisees did. And that's exactly why Jesus was like, look, you're blaspheming the Holy Spirit right now. It's unforgivable. So that, that right there is a big deal. Um, and now let's take a look at prophecy in the early church. Because if we're going to find a place to figure out where it all really took place and how it was going on, that's a good place to start. What would you think would be in the early church, in an early church service, compared to what you know today? Without reading ahead, what would you just figure is in an early church service? Without praying. Praying. Songs, music, songs, things like that. Coffee. It's good coffee. Good coffee. Organic really good coffee. coffee. Organic. Fair trade. Fair trade coffee. What else? Donuts. What else? <laughs> yeah, like New Testament. Like if the church just started, what would their service look like? What would they do? We got songs, prayer, worship, songs, healing. healing. Prophecy. Prophecy. Depending on the church, tongues. Tongues, yeah. <laughs> yeah, what you see, usually if you brought this up in just a normal church, I would be like, well, music, prayer, and a message, right? Because that's how it's always been. Um, and those things aren't not existent in the early church, but that's not, uh, there's definitely a ton of supernatural stuff going on in their church services. So I'm going to take you through 1 Corinthians 14, 1 through 6, and then we'll skip to 22 to 33 because everything between that's about tongues. We're not getting into that uh, today exactly. So here we go. Pursue love, yet desire earnestly spiritual gifts, but especially that you may prophesy. So especially prophecy above these other things. Uh, for one who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men, but to God. For no one understands, but in his spirit he speaks mysteries. But one who prophesies speaks to men for edification and exhortation and consolation. One who speaks in a tongue edifies himself, but one who prophesies edifies the church. Now I wish that you all spoke in tongues, but even more that you would prophesy. And greater is the one who prophesies than one who speaks in tongues unless he interprets so that the church may receive edifying. But now, brethren, if I come to you speaking in tongues, what will I profit you unless I speak to you either by way of revelation or of knowledge or prophecy or of teaching? So really quick, going back through that, a few things that prophecy does do. What do you see there? Edifies, exhorts, and consoles. Edifies, consorts, consoles. Exhorts, consoles. What else? What's the difference between tongues and prophecy? Prophecy is for others. Tongues mm-hmm. is kind of personal. Yeah. yeah. That's something, if, if you're not familiar with tongues, that's something that you might be, why, why is one greater than the other? Tongues is usually, unless you, unless you have an interpreter, this is what Paul's saying, tongues is like between you and God. It's a different language you don't even know what you're saying really half the time. It's just you and God talking to one another. And it's spirit kind of speaking for you. But <coughs> prophecy is in your native tongue. God speaking to you, you speaking out to others. 
But even in here, there's kind of like a but. <laughs> uh, there's kind of like a but in here that uh, if you speak in tongues and someone can interpret it, then it becomes edification for the whole church. So there's a difference there. All right, jump 22, 33. So then tongues are a sign not to those who believe, but to unbelievers. But prophecy is for a sign not to unbelievers, but to those who believe. Therefore, if the whole church assembles together and all speak in tongues and, un, and ungifted men or unbelievers enter, will they not say that you are mad? But if all prophesy and an unbeliever or an ungifted man enters, he is convicted by all. He is called to account by all. The secrets of his heart are disclosed, and so he will fall on his face and worship God, declaring that God is certainly among you. What is the outcome then, brethren? When you assemble, each one has a psalm, has a teaching, has a revelation, has a tongue, has an interpretation. Let all things be done for edification. If anyone speaks in a tongue, it should be by two or three, or it should be by two or at the most three, and each in turn and one must interpret. But if there is no interpreter, he must keep silent in the church and let him speak to himself and to God. Let two or three prophets speak, And let the others pass judgment. But if a revelation is made to one another uh, who is seated, but if revelation is made to another who is seated, the first one must keep silent. For you can all prophesy one by one so that you may learn and all may be exhorted. And the spirits of prophets are subject to prophets. For God is not a God of confusion, but of peace, as in all the churches of the saints." So just to hit on a, a few things here before we move on. Um, the thing that I latched on to early on, I mean, I didn't have these kind of things to really think about. I was all about Willow Creek when I first like, heard this. I was like, yeah, church can be cool. That's different. Uh, people can enjoy it. Like, that's a way to get people into your church. And then you get to um deeper things like in college we start questioning well is church for the unbelievers do you really try to get them in there this is kind of weird because this is this is pretty extreme you see that paul is actually being minded of uh, uh any kind of unbelievers who might actually come to your church like paul actually leaves that possibility there that yeah you might be able to be evangelistic with the way that you do church but the way that he goes with evangelism is you might prophesy over them and they might fall to their knees and be like, how do you know that God's real? <laughs> you know, like this is a bit different than, wow, light show, awesome. You know, These kind of things will bring the people in. Um, but it's God that Paul really sees. It's, it's God because these people are ungifted, as he says, like they don't have these spiritual gifts. They don't understand it. Um, but if you prophesy over them, disclose the secrets of their heart to them, how can they not believe in God at that point? Like they've just walked into God's house and now they're able to associate that God sees them. Uh, another thing, again, tongues, no interpretation. If there's no interpretation, here's what Paul's trying to say. You guys are being a bit crazy. He's giving advice. Your church, you guys love tongues. That's great. But you keep getting up, and y'all keep talking in tongues, and nobody has the slightest idea what's going on. Mm-hmm. It's like, I, l- I have a tongue I like to share. You know? yeah. It's like, okay. Um, <laughs> that's great. Someone else. I have a tongue also I'd like to share. <laughs> and then uh, someone else. I also have a tongue. Paul's like, look, guys, nobody knows what's going on. If you don't have an interpreter, stop doing that. 
Seriously. <laughs> um, not that you can't like praise in tongues when you're going with worship. Not that you can't maybe talk in tongues under your breath or in your mind. But like you guys are taking up time where we could be doing something like prophesying over someone, edifying everyone. Like if you go on a stage and you speak in tongues and you're edifying yourself in front of everyone, that's great for you, <laughs> not for anyone else. And actually, this is, this is something that I apply to uh, a lot of the kind of charismatic Pentecostal churches out there because I've spent time in some of them and I love them. It's great. But sometimes you get so involved in doing things that edify like either yourself um, or you are edifying um, like one person, you know? Like, I don't know if you've been to a church, and this is great, prophesying over people. Um, but there's some times where the pastor might take some time, walk down the aisles and prophesy over like 20 people before it's all over, you know? It's great because you've edified out there, but sometimes I wonder if there's a more appropriate way in which we're going to have our team of, of prophesiers, prophets come up, and we're going to have you come up, we're just going to pray for you, you know, be able to handle a lot of things at once and a lot more edification going on, like maximizing your edification at church. Uh, but as long as you're at least edifying someone else, that's great. I'm just trying to think even beyond that, how can we even grow the edification larger? Um, and then at the end, for God is not a God of confusion, but of peace, as in all the churches of the saints. I just love that he points that out, because there are some churches where you go there, and you, you cannot really see the peace. It's just massive confusion, uh, because the Holy Spirit's at work in like, every single way and it's all like a lot to soak in at once and there's no order no structure because if you spend a church spend time in a church a lot of times where i guess this is what i've i've seen and this is not every church i'm kind of stereotyping a little bit so i apologize but if, if you go to a church the holy spirit is working so much so that uh, there has not even been a structure organized for that sunday Everyone has showed up in one place, and they're just going to let it go wherever the Spirit takes them. And if you've seen that, it starts to cause chaos, because everyone seems to have a different idea of where the Spirit's going, <laughs> and everyone seems to be kind of going off in a, a different direction. And, you know, there's been times where people have come up to me and be like, Javen, just let the Spirit speak out of you. And it's at those times I've got to turn and be like, look... I think I'm hearing God, but he's telling me to tell you to be structured. And <laughs> not, not that you've got to be totally structured. If you've seen me lead worship, I am fairly spontaneous in the middle of music. But there is a place where balance comes between your structure and your uh, letting the Spirit move. Um, that you're not quenching the Spirit. You're actually optimizing the way he, he's able to grow, able to go. Anyways, this is all kind of a side note. I'm getting off. Sorry. Um, characteristics of prophecy. As we look through 1 Corinthians 14, these are all things you saw. Verse 3, it's edifying. Stephen pointed that out. Uh, verse 3, again, it's edifying to the whole church. Also verse 3, exhortation. Also verse 3, consolation. Verse 3 has a lot of, uh, a lot of characteristics going on in there. 
Um, and then verse 5, prophecy is greater than tongues that have no interpretation. All right? So at least in regards to a church service, um, if you're speaking in tongues and there's no interpretation, it kind of, it's not as great as prophecy. It's not as edifying, uh, not as not as uh, edifying to everyone. Uh, prophecy can bring conviction. Um, there's uh, John Wimber, the guy who kind of started Vineyard Churches. Uh, he has this great story, which um, he's on a plane, and he like pretty much turns to this person who's sitting across from him. I don't remember the names or anything, but the general story is like, hey, who's Carolyn? <laughs> like, God's just giving me this name, and just wondering who Carolyn is. And he's sitting next to his wife, and he's like, how do you know about that? <laughs> he's like, I'm just, I'm just wondering. He's like, who are you? He's like, look, maybe we can go talk or something. <laughs> and he's like, all right, wait till my wife leaves. And you find out that this guy has been cheating on his wife with some other lady by the name of whatever the name is that he knew. Like, this is some serious conviction right here. This is all happening on a plane with his wife with him and everything. And this guy, actually, you'd think that if you told someone about this, they would get super ticked off and maybe try to kill you or something. <laughs> Instead, this guy actually, by the end of this, I think, if I remember the story right, he's like bawling his head off. And before they get off the plane, I think he's even apologizing to his wife and telling her the story and what, <coughs> what he's done and all this. From the conviction, this holy conviction... That, hey, who's this person? Like, there's no way John Wimber could have known about this unless God had told him. And John Wimber, this dude was crazy. You gotta, you gotta listen to his, his audio tapes. They're a bit older. So. Also, he looks like the director from Jurassic Park. So, <laughs> so anyway, seeing a picture of John Wimber, I'll pull it up at the end. Trust me, you'll believe me. The guy with the white hair and the beard? Mm-hmm. Okay. Oh, What's his name? Richard Attenborough. Okay, he looks like him. Anyways, getting off topic. John Wimber has, like, these stories all the time where he just gets these words. And I don't know if you know much about John Wimber, but this dude, like, pressed in forever when he finally learned this stuff. Like, God heals? Okay, we're going to pray for healing. And he kept praying and praying, like, every service. Nothing happened forever. <laughs> And he just, he believed it happened, but he kept pressing in anyways until finally one day it just kind of broke loose. Uh, it's actually funny what really rattled his world, getting off topic, but these are fun stories. Really rattled his world is he brought in someone, and I, I think it was just kind of last moment, I was like, I'm just going to let this guy speak today. I feel like God's telling me to let him speak. You know, like, you see that he believes that God speaks to him because he feels the call to let this person speak. Well, that person goes up and takes him to another level because he gets on a stage, he preaches his message, and then at the end he's like, Holy Spirit, come! And all of a sudden everyone's like getting laid out on the floor and spazzing out and nobody's ever like seen this before. People are leaving the church because of this and it's creeping everyone out <laughs> and he's just like, what the heck is going on with my church? What did you do to it? And uh, he like goes home and like calls someone up about it. He's mad about it. He's like, calls someone up. He's like, Dude, you know that guy who you told me to like have come preach or whatever? He's like, oh yeah, John, Zach or whatever. He's like, yeah, yeah, he just like started preaching and then he's like, oh, Holy Spirit, come, right? Yeah, that thing. <laughs> Everyone starts bad. I don't know what to do with my church. And uh, that was really where he started to see the Holy Spirit at work. Uh, 
super awesome guy. He's, just, he's got the greatest stories. Um, but there you go. How I got on that. He brought conviction to someone's heart. He disclosed the secrets of someone's heart, if you take Paul's language. And that person basically falls on his face and believing God's real. And even trying to bring restoration between him and his wife. It calls someone to account, verse 24, which is uh, similar, you know, like in that case, he called him to account of his actions, of what he's done. Um, or it may call you to just account of where your life is in general. Um, it reaches the ungifted or the unbeliever. It's an evangelism tool. You don't usually think of prophecy as an evangelism tool. Or the most people do think about it that way is, hey, Revelation says you're going to hell, so turn or burn. Prophecy, ar. You know, this, this is like different prophecy. <coughs> when you disclose someone's secrets of their heart to them, man, let me tell you, it wrecks them. Sometimes it's harder to take, like this guy who's been cheating on his wife. Other times it's like, you know, it might be a bit of a softer kind of conviction. And it's still a wreck you because you realize that you're hearing from God in this moment. It discloses the secrets of the heart. I've said that too many times, you get it. Uh, brings people to worship God, verse 25. Brings people to worship God. Prophecy is a tool of evangelism. It's a tool of entering into worship. Um, it proves that prophecy is from God. You know, when you disclose the secrets of someone's heart, it proves that it was God who knew it, not you. Brings unbelievers to Christ. Again, it's an evangelistic tool. Uh, prophecy must be judged. This is another thing. All right, when, when you get a prophecy, it's okay to judge it, to make sure that this is from God or to see if it's from another source or someone was just blatantly wrong, right? Because in the end, here's what we see. Everyone can prophesy, and prophecy can be learned. If you can learn something, you can screw up, <laughs> especially during, during the learning curve, all right? That's why it's a good reason to judge it. For example, that girl up front, you're going to Africa. <laughs> uh, <laughs> now this guy's a pretty trusted guy you know the fact that he says it that puts judgment in my heart that I can trust this guy at the same time my life is about to become drastically different I'm at least going to wonder at least going to test the word at least going to talk to God because royal priesthood I speak up as well as down <laughs> I'm at least going to test this word to make sure that uh, this is what I actually heard um, so there, there's some things about it. And uh, I want to try to give you some ideas as to how to learn how to prophesy. If it can be learned, this is good. You even get this kind of impression in 1 Samuel. I love Samuel. Uh, there's this group of prophets, and you get this impression that they're kind of like a school of prophets, like they're learning <laughs> from each other. Because um, you, you remember at the beginning of Samuel, the word of the Lord is rare, and now towards the end of Samuel, we got these groups of prophets walking around. King Saul, whenever he goes over to join these prophets, for some reason, he always ends up taking his clothes off and getting naked and lying on the ground for hours like, yeah, spirit, the heck, Saul? <laughs> that doesn't even make any sense, but that's some pretty good suppression skills we have. When the spirit shows up in Saul's life, he gets naked and lies on the ground for hours. 
uh, when the Spirit shows up. And the other prophets, I don't know. It seems like they always come to town. They're just worshiping. They got tambourines and stuff. Um, and you see these interesting comparisons. Fortunately, I guess we keep our clothes on, so that's good. Um, but this does mean that you can learn how to prophesy. And you even, you know, when, when Jesus says that he's sending the Spirit, here's what he says. I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper, that he may be with you forever. That is the Spirit of truth, whom the wor world cannot receive, because it does not see him or know him. But you know him, because he abides with you, and will be in you. So here you go. Uh, you've heard throughout the weeks. We moved from Jesus, or the Holy Spirit, is in a tent, the tabernacle. That's his manifest dwelling place. He moves out of that into a temple, a, a permanent tabernacle that's been built to be set there. It's not a tent. It doesn't move. It's not a mobile church. And then he moves out of that into us, that we are now the holy place. So he abides in us. And it's funny that, that Jesus, like one of the words, one of the adjectives he gives is helper. That, that this helper is going to come to you. And he's going to live in you. The world's not going to know him, but you will. Because he abides in you. Now there's some great verses to help you understand how to prophesy. First, you got that right there. The Spirit's in you. So the Word of God is in the Spirit. The Spirit is in you. Logically, you can speak that Word if you can hear the Spirit. Um, and here's a great verse on hearing the Spirit. For to us, God revealed them through the Spirit, for the Spirit searches all things, even the depths of God. For who among men knows the thoughts of a man except the Spirit of a man which is in him? Even so, the thoughts of God no one knows except the Spirit of God. Now we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is of God, is from God, so that we may know the things freely given to us by God, which things we also speak, not in words taught by human wisdom, but in those taught by the Spirit, combining spiritual thoughts with spiritual words. So inside of you, living inside of you, you've got your spirit, right? You hear your own thoughts. You think the things your spirit thinks. And then you've got God's spirit. And logically, you should be able to hear God's thoughts. You should be able to think the things that God thinks. You've got two spirits inside of you. And, and it, it shows this great depth of knowledge to the Spirit of God, right? He searches God. He knows the depths of God. He knows everything that God thinks. That's inside of you. So what do you do to hear your own thoughts? <coughs> and actually answer this one. Like, do you go to a rock concert so you can understand what you're thinking deep down? What do you do? <laughs> Sit and think. Sit on the toilet. Sit on the toilet. <laughs> All right. What else? What else you got to do? That's in a quiet place, you know? Like you're not watching TV or listening to music. You're distracted. Yeah, even music sometimes. Like I can write stuff while listening to it. I wrote all this while listening to it, but sometimes you get to a point where you can't. What helps you connect with God? Yes, nature. That's where I was waiting for someone to say. What else? Prayer. Prayer. 
see, logically, if we're going with this logic thing, whatever you do to kind of get in touch with your own thoughts, your own spirit, if God is also abiding in you, logically, whatever you do to get in touch with your own thoughts, you should be able to do get in touch with God's thoughts. Now, we tend to tone God down so it's harder to hear him. Jody, am I confusing? Or are you just really hungry? No, I just, like, I lost the frequency hearing oh. thing. Okay. The face you were giving me was weird. <laughs> uh, the logically... Yeah, for a second. <laughs> it's okay. Logically, if you can hear your, your own thoughts in your own body, your spirits in your body, logically, God, you should also be able to hear his thoughts. Now, of course, you know, your spirit's your own. It's more free and open, probably. But God, whatever he wants you to know, and honestly, I think he's speaking all the time. We're just not taking time to listen, you know? Because we tend to rely on our own spirit before we ever turn to hear what God's thinking. Even when you're trying to figure out what to do with your life, do you usually go to God first or do you go to someone you trust or know, Right? It's like we don't usually even give him the time of day to speak to us. Um, but just like your spirit, when you really want to get deep down, when you really want to hear deep down what you're thinking, you, you really got to get away to silence or something or nature. That's also something that you see when you learn about uh, what God sounds like to Elijah. 1 Kings 10, 11 through 13. I feel like that's supposed to be 1 Kings 19. <clears throat> that might be 19. I'm not sure. Uh, so he said, Go forth and stand on the mountain before the Lord. And behold, the Lord was passing by. And a great and strong wind was rending the mountains and breaking in pieces the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, an earthquake. But the Lord was not in the earthquake. After the earthquake, a fire. But the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, a sound of a gentle blowing. As other translations say, like a still, small whisper. When Elijah heard it, he wrapped his face in his mantle and went out and stood in the entrance of the cave. And behold, a voice came to him and said, What are you doing here, Elijah? Okay, first off, that's a weird story, because I'm thinking about the people who are out there. <laughs> it's like... That mountain is falling apart. <laughs> and all of a sudden, our city just got devastated by an earthquake. And now the woods are on fire. <laughs> uh, I'm sure that's not what happened. I'm sure God was out in some desolate... This is in the desert, so, you know. But if not, all that for an analogy. Either way, God's trying to make a point here, okay? <coughs> this is like what you get the feeling here is this is a narrative story. And there's got to be a point to it. Because after this, God just shows up and talks. So couldn't God have just spoke? I mean, in, in the Bible, you see that prophets all the time, they just speak to God. They don't need an earthquake and a windstorm and a tornado and a fire to get their attention. Um, furthermore, you always think that prophets hear God's voice audibly. Like that's just kind of when you read the Bible, that's just what you would think, that they're so touching God, in touch with God because they're always like, God declares this, God says this, God is saying, if you don't do this, this will happen. Like, they really hear God's voice. But you see here, a guy who's a well-proven prophet, who's heard God's voice plenty of times, it's like, there's this windstorm, he's still in his cave. 
there's an earthquake, he stays in his cave. There's a giant fire, he stays in his cave. And then all of a sudden, there's a gentle whisper, a, a, a gentle blowing, a still small voice. At that point, it's like, okay, time to leave the cave. God's here. <laughs> like, that's not typically how you think that God spoke to a prophet. Because they seem so clear on things. But if, if this is it, then this gentle whisper and this silence and this getting away and this trying to listen to the depths of your soul, it kind of fits that, that area, right? That hearing God's <coughs> voice, hearing God's voice actually requires you to calm yourself down, to, to center on God and listen. And furthermore, uh, interesting when God speaks, he says, what are you doing here, Elijah? Like, if this is just a gentle blowing, a still small whisper, and I heard that question, what are you doing here, Jamin? First thing I'm going to think is, why did I just ask myself that? <laughs> Not like, I don't know, God. And be like, I don't know, what am I doing with my life? You know? Anyone else go to that? Because that's where I would go. Like, <coughs> I don't know, me. <laughs> what am I doing? Because that, that just tends to be where we go with these things. But you see all throughout the Bible, even with Jesus... God's always asking questions and answering questions with a question. Uh, pay attention to those questions. Sometimes you might find that God's actually answering. Examples. Anyone. If you ever had a question in your life and all of a sudden you just felt like this was more than you. Yes. Go for it. Um, it was actually past week. Past week. Yeah. Good. I was reading this book. And I felt like God say, what are you waiting for? I'm like, you're right. So I changed my major. <laughs> <laughs> to what? Pastoral ministry. Hey, all right. <laughs> Welcome to the club. <laughs> yeah, things like that. Like, right. let me tell you, I changed my major like two years later. I would have loved for him to be clear on that a little sooner. Yeah. Like, that's a big deal. Yeah. <laughs> and because you were listening... You know, you get to ask that easier. sooner. You get to you get to confront that yeah. sooner. Other question. Anyone ever have like a question? Yeah, I my mind could easily be, you know, explained away by subconscious and so on, but I know it's not. I just said a uh, my old youth group there was a girl who uh, was basically she claimed she was raped by a boyfriend sort of figure. And, Hmm. Um, she did not want to go to her parents. She came to us first, did not want to go to her parents. And I remember praying about it and driving home. And um, I just, you know, was was kind of in that place, well, do we, do we not? You know, and I just remember playing out asking God, you know, uh, do, I, do we need to tell our parents? And just, I mean, without me even thinking about the answer, yes, just popped into my head. And I, I knew the source. I mean, it just came yeah. right in tears that tears that. So I mean, it was just a simple answer to a simple question, but mm. I knew it wasn't my own subconscious doing it. Mm. Have you ever had one of those moments where it's like, "Wow, this person needs to be served. Somebody needs to do something about that." And then you get that, "Okay, do it." <laughs> uh, <Hey>. What? <laughs> I didn't mean me. Yeah. Like, we had someone, I was at youth group once, and someone was just talking about how they didn't have money to get through something or other, uh, and all of a sudden I'm just like, man, that sucks. Somebody needs to give her money. 
He's like, I have $200 in my wallet. Not now. Don't you? Not. <laughs> Go ahead and give her this much. <sighs> so, yeah, you get those ones. What else? Anything? Any of those little whispers in your life? I just have a comment about it. Yeah. When I first learned about it, mm-hmm. um, he called it intersecting thoughts. Like, you know, like your thoughts are going this way and God's oh. thoughts are coming this way. So, I don't know. That helped me, like, visualize my thoughts and, like, I don't know, learn to differentiate. Mm-hmm. I had it when I was driving a Schwan truck. And I was ready to go home because it was a Saturday. And I stopped off at what I wanted to be my last stop. And then was headed back, and I don't remember stopping, but I like blacked out and was like, "Go to the campground." That was end of the season. <laughs> and then I came to, and I'm like, I'm pulled off to the side of the road and parked with my hands lights on, and I don't remember doing any of that stuff. And then so I go to the campground, and as soon as I pull in, these people wanted me popsicles. That's the whole, the only thing I saw. I drove around for a good half hour, 45 minutes, and nothing. And I was just like adamant. I'm like, give me more sales, something. <laughs> and I got nothing. I'm like, all right. I was disappointed at first, but after the fact, I was like, that was kind of cool, actually. Yeah. God cares about cool. the little things. That's right. Popsicles. 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 I almost drove back to Aspen and prayed for it, but I didn't. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe that was it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I wanted, I, afterwards, I'm like, should I ask that question or not? Yeah. That's where it takes the strength when you finally hear this stuff. Mm-hmm. Getting rid of money, popsicles, yeah. prayer. I had one moment. I don't know if I can uh, share this one exactly. Either way. I remember I just kind of like found myself at the altar uh, and here one day just like, God, I'm trying to hear your voice and I just, I don't even know what it sounds like. And something popped into my head at that moment, something just so bizarre that I would have never thought anything about it. And then a few moments later, I get a call that basically just confirmed, <laughs> or a text mm-hmm. that just like confirmed exactly what popped into my head. And I'm just like, what? <laughs> you know, I was like, and that moment is just like, my question was, I don't know what you sound like. Here's what I sound like. Here's your confirmation. <laughs> and it's like in that moment, you know, you just get these kind of little things sometimes. That's cool. Uh, but it, it takes, like, that was so bizarre and so not my thought that sometimes you realize it's God. <laughs> and sometimes you're just crazy. It just depends. Um, the other part on here, uh, Hearing God's Voice by Henry and Richard Blackaby. Has anybody ever heard or read Experiencing God? Okay. You are five of three million. <laughs> or I guess uh, three million have got it. So it's, it's a popular book. We actually got it when I was back in youth group, and I never read it like I was supposed to. Um, but they wrote... Uh, he and his son wrote a new book called Hearing God's Voice. Well, I haven't finished. I can already tell this is this is great. Like, these guys are very biblical and trying to look at the biblical things while also confronting, you know, their own stories and how they've heard God in such ways. Uh, here's a few things in Old Testament that you find that God's spoken through. And they have a whole list and kind of explain through it. But creation, 
angels, prophets, dreams, visions, casting lots, right? Get Jonah chucked off a boat. That's how God speaks through casting lots. Uh, the Urim and Thummim. I uh, think that's, yeah, anyways. Gentle voice, fire, burning bush, preaching. Judgments, symbolic actions, signs, miracles, writing on a wall, donkey. God speaks through a donkey. Or as Luther says, if God can speak out of the mouth of an ass, he can surely use me. No, I thought it was funny. Okay. Trumpet, thunder and lightning, smoke and storms, fleece, right? Gideon turning that fleece over. Sound of marching in the treetops. That'll creep you out. Monkeys invading. <coughs> face to face, personal guidance in various unspecified ways. See, God speaks a lot in a lot of different ways. And then in the New Testament, risen Christ, nature, angels, dreams, visions, prayer, prophets, law casting, signs and wonders, uh, preachers, scripture, an unbeliever, uh, the church, a direct word from the Father, the Holy Spirit, and more various unspecified ways. And I think it also did make a point to mention um, that they casted lots like in the New Testament. And then I think... If I remember right, after the Holy Spirit came, you never see reference to it again. Kind of like a, we don't need to do that anymore. We got Jesus, <laughs> you know. Um, but this is really a great book, and if you don't like to read or you don't have time, the audio book's like three hours. So you can download that on iTunes. Um, but there's a lot of great stuff here, like distinguishing between God's voice and Satan's voice. It's amazing how we can confuse those. But it gives good points, like Satan lies, Christ does not. Satan offers shortcuts. Satan justifies sin. God calls for repentance. Satan divides. God unites. Satan fosters pride. God brings humility. Satan excuses the means. Um, and, you know, it's just all these things. Like, there's plenty of questions probably in your minds as well. I wouldn't be surprised if they cover a lot of it. Um, and it's, like, again... 3 million copies it does show you he's a trusted author and he doesn't even seem very charismatic in like a that kind of sense hungry Joe yeah okay uh, here's just a few things I want to point out when you're prophesying over someone or in other words you've decided to pray for someone and you're trying to figure out what the heck you're supposed to say to them here's some things to pay attention to images that cross your mind I know someone who had like a sunflower rag doll pop into their mind. You're not going to say that out loud usually. He does. <laughs> and finds out that this person, when they were a kid, uh, their dad was like drunk out mowing the lawn and ran over uh, her sunflower rag doll. And she just starts bawling after he says this. I see a sunflower rag doll. <laughs> you know, what the heck happened? <laughs> So she starts to explain the story, and now it's like, look, my dad's coming back. I haven't seen him in years. He's coming back, like, this week or next week, something like that. Like, this is really great when you hear from God during a hard time like this. Like, this is a harsh story in my life, and now I have to see him soon. So images that cross your mind. They may be bizarre, but if you get an image, go with it. I never write, of course. I told some guy last time, I see... A uh, yellow dump truck. <laughs> he 
You're going into construction, I guess? I don't know. Totally wrong. Nothing happened. Um, specific words that pop into your head, okay? Something comes to your head, and it's very just like specific, you know, thought of that. It's an intersecting thought, if you will. Go with it. See if anything happens. Any kind of video that plays in your mind. Some people might see images. Some people might hear words. Some people might see like a vision, like you close your eyes and in your mind's eye, you just kind of see like a video being played of something that happened. Um, in some cases, um, you might even see it in the natural, okay? This is usually more people who are highly anointed for prophecy. I know there's uh, one guy that when he prays for people, sometimes when he's looking at them, he'll see like a video screen pop up above them, and he'll just start to watch a video from their life of something that's happened and begin to explain it to them. And like, how do you know this? It's like, I don't know. I'm just kind of watching it right now. <laughs> you can imagine the weirdness. Uh, subtle impressions. These are the hardest to go with sometimes, but if you just have an impression on you that you just feel like, something you need to pray for just go with it or and this is something that I haven't really necessarily heard from anywhere but I'm starting to wonder as I go through my life if this is something a way that God works impressions that God has been putting in your mind for someone as you've gotten to know them some people would just say this like call it deduction like you've just come to a conclusion that somebody needs prayer for this because of this sometimes though when I look back at it I'm like I'm not sure anyone's ever said this or that I've seen it. Just as I've been around you, I've started to feel a certain thing about you. Sometimes you just pray for that. Um, another thing to pay attention to, this one is much more obvious, the facial expression of someone you're praying for. It's okay to keep your eyes open as long as they're not staring at you, then it gets awkward, okay? <laughs> But if you want to pray for someone with your eyes open and you start to pray something, they may either get angry because they hit a spot or they might get sad because they hit a spot or they might just never change their facial expression at all. But at least gives you something. If you hear them crying, you're probably going somewhere good, okay? <laughs> if you hear them getting angry, you may have gone the <laughs> complete wrong direction or there may be some serious holy conviction in that moment. Uh, colors that stand out, maybe you just happen to see, you know, you close your eyes and there's just red or something. Uh, personal struggles, if something pops in your mind, that's usually the first place my mind goes when I'm praying for someone I'm trying to prophesy or someone. I usually just, first thing I want to be like, you have problems with your dad, you know, like, that's always the first struggle that comes to my mind. And that's why I never want to say it, because everyone has problems with their dad. Why? I don't know. You know, you got to learn to discern, learn to discern um, what's God and what's uh, you. Uh, some people get very specific things that God tells them. Birthdays, ages, dates, names, events, etc. Um, God uses these people a lot more often in this, but like they seem more highly anointed because there are some people who can literally be like, when you were six, this happened and it really hurt. And then a year later, you're seven and a half, year and a half later, you're seven and a half and you went through this and three years later you were really hurt because there's people who can list this off as God just speaks it to them. 
Um, and as I said, any vision that you might see in the natural. Okay. Uh, what else? Yes, that's I was just about to say. Do you feel like you have a word for the future and has, this is just from what I've learned and experienced, and you think you have an age or a name or predicting a baby, mm. really don't share it or pray about it. Like, because that stuff really damages. It's yeah. just like you misheard, because that happens all the time. Mm. So that's definitely stuff to be really careful about. Yeah, and I was going to mention that somewhat later too, but you need to be smart when you're praying, okay? You need to be smart because there are some things. Here's one thing I've really noticed that people confuse. Proclamation with prophecy. I've been to some places where like they started off prophesying, but somewhere in the middle it turned to proclamation. Like you're going to be rich and God's going to bless you in this way and and you're going to change the world and you're going to go to this place and people are just going to... like Proclamation is different from prophecy. It's kind of like proclamations like putting vision into someone. It's not necessarily that God even told you this stuff. You're just giving kind words and being nice to them, okay? When when you start to get, like, real serious, like, when you say something like that, like, oh, you're going to have lots of children, they start bawling. It may be because you just put a new vision in their life. They've been trying to get pregnant forever, and now they can. But if you've, like, yeah, yeah. If it wasn't God telling you that, first off, you need to learn to discern. Secondly, if you're proclaiming things, you got to be careful because you may have just treaded into something that you should not have treaded into. And I've seen some places proclaim for hours on end. And also, when you proclaim these things, sometimes you make it too easy to not do anything because you mix proclaiming with prophecy and what you start to think, oh, this is going to happen. I just got to wait for it to happen mm. instead of... Uh, Instead of, oh, i got to work up to this point. And that's actually something with prophecy. You might find that you'll be prophesied something over, and it may not happen. You can't just be prophesied over and then just wait for it to happen, okay? You're held accountable. Remember that? Like when something's put into your life, you're held accountable to get there. Maybe God set it up that if you went the wrong way, it'd still happen. But sometimes, like, say, for me, for me, I was... uh, I met this guy, it was the first time I had ever met him. My band led worship for him, and after he's like, I want to prophesy over you guys. So I go up, and he's like, this, during this time, I was really struggling with the fact that people only ever saw me for music. The church I was at, like, I'm like, yeah, I'm, I'm studying to be a pastor. Yeah, you're so good at music. <laughs> I know, and I'm excited to teach, too. I know, what kind of music are you going to play? <laughs> Hello? <laughs> Nothing there. And I'm just starting to like, nobody sees me for preaching. I feel like nobody's confirming this in me at all. I feel the desire on my heart, but nobody else seems to see it. God, am I even supposed to do this, or am I just wasting my time in college? Because, like, 90% of pastors don't even end up being a pastor in the end. This is a huge percentage of pastors who fall out after, like, two years. They can't do it anymore. And so, I don't know what just happened out there. <laughs> and so, this this is something that's really heavy on my heart at the time. Nobody's confirming it, and I'm just starting to feel like I'm supposed to do music again. Um, 
And then this guy's like, on one of these nights where it's been on my mind for the past few weeks, he's just like, right now your guitar is your instrument, but this, and he just like touched my lips, which was weird. He's like, this, <laughs> this is going to be your instrument uh, in the future. And like in that moment, he's just like, so I get to preach. <laughs> I get to teach after all. There's something there to that. Um, and that like really spoke to me in that moment, gave me hope again. And even today, there's even times today where, you know, like you might have had a bad Sunday morning or things just you kind of in a rut and you start to wonder, God, is this what you've called me to? I can look back at that in those moments and be like, that was confirmation right there that I'm able to be called to be preaching. But had I gone another way, like God, I really do believe God gives us free will. I can go a different way, okay? God could have called me to preaching. God could have confirmed at that moment, and I could have gone back into music and not be towards preaching. Now, he could have restored it much later, but I wouldn't be in this position that I am right now had that not worked out. Um, so you stay, see things like that. What, what else? Have you ever just felt like there's something you need to pray for someone? How's it come to your mind? Hannah, you might be more familiar with it, but... Like, what's made you feel like you've had an impression for someone that you need to pray for them in that way? Or you've prayed for someone in that way? Sometimes, usually, I should say, usually when it's real quiet, like when I happen, like when you're laying in bed, you're not quite asleep, and it's just, Mm. and then it's like, oh, or sometimes woken up in the middle of the night, for instance. Yeah. Yeah. That's usually any You and your dreams, man. <laughs> That's actually, that was something I meant to mention last week. <coughs> I don't remember if I did, but I think I did. In that dropout phase where you're starting to pass out, but you're not totally there, pay attention there. Sometimes God's able to get something in during that time. Actually, I wrote something down during that time when we were at our conference in Ohio. I just came across it today. I don't even remember writing this. I was just like... <laughs> What? <laughs> but, yeah, maybe, I don't know. Either way, I just saw it today. I'm like, I vaguely, vaguely remember mm-hmm. this. And I don't even know if it means anything, but I've got it on here in case. It's churchy, at least. So, <laughs> um, so yeah, it looks like it's on One of the, uh, one of the things we heard, we were going to Ohio to that conference, and somebody in our car was like, uh, yeah, just a while back, like, I realized, I was just driving, all of a sudden I realized my daughter was about to be in a car accident that my, a semi behind her, it couldn't stop, it was going to crash into her, and I heard her curse, and she never curses. But she saw what happened. Yeah, like, she saw it, and so she just started praying that moment, and then she calls him, and that exact thing happened, she's like, and you said this, she's like, I didn't say that. Well, let me talk to your husband. He's like, yeah, that's what she said. <laughs> yeah, that was crazy. Yeah, it like, and they pretty much from her explanation, they should have been dead. Mm-hmm. But, you know, in that moment, you get that so you can pray for them right. to hopefully change something, you know. Mm-hmm. And it's funny. Here's another thing I realized. We all have these stories, these supernatural stories that we're so firm and passionate about telling. And it ends up that sometimes the people around you just don't believe it. <laughs> Or when you're like, yeah, you know what? This happened to me. They don't believe it, you know? Right. This is a weird thing, because immediately after that, I was like, that's so weird. Like, 
You know, that's prophecy. We, had, we were just talking about dreams last night. We had this guy who dreams the future of. And that moment, she's like, went silent. Yeah. Just nothing. <laughs> the whole car, dead silent. Nothing. I'm like, really? I thought we were being weird right now. I thought, <laughs> this is totally appropriate for what just happened to you. <laughs> this is what happens with the supernatural. I've got these stories. I can tell them. And I've got people who think I'm crazy. Okay? And I know that this is God. <laughs> in the same sense, they can tell me a story from them. Like, they may not even believe that God does supernatural things, but everybody has that one story right. from their life. And they can tell it with complete honesty, but honesty. But as soon as you tell yours, you'll find you're a crazy person. <laughs> Anything else before we move on? <laughs> yeah, actually, I, I never, it's kind of like dream things. I never remember dreams. Huh. Um, I don't either. Yeah. But I've never had, uh, like, a moment... You know, where I'm perfectly awake and something popped into my head, like or, like you were asleep and it just, you know, you saw it or like um, in, on the road down to Ohio, you know, seeing or hearing something like that. But I don't know, something I found is, I guess sometimes uh, it, there is subtlety to how I receive things and I, I think I do receive things sometimes. Um, but like it's not always going to be a burning bush or like a boom of thunder or anything like that. And so I find that sometimes, and I don't know how to word it, but if I'm talking with somebody, I feel like I'm more in tune with something that's, you know, kind of between the words they're using and underlying and maybe not something they're expressing. I, don't know, I kind of feel like, um, I don't know the words discernment, I guess, but I, sometimes I feel like maybe God's telling me something in that moment, like somebody yeah. there, yeah. like about somebody, mm-hmm. like I pick up on things that people don't always pick up on. Yeah. So, yeah just like more a, subtle a, approach. A gift of discernment. Mm-hmm. And... That's kind of, too, what I wrote down there that, like, I haven't necessarily heard anyone say, but as you get to know someone, mm-hmm. you just start to develop this, like, sense that there's something there, but nobody's ever said it, things like that. That's something I pay attention to. I'm not sure I can really show you a passage or anything. Just pay attention to it. Um, other stories, thoughts, comments? I'll share mine. Yeah. Um, I have... But I call it empathetic spirit. So if I'm praying for someone, I really it's really easy for me to pick up on their emotions. Mm-hmm. And sometimes even like physical pains. Like if people, I don't know, have physical ailments, sometimes I feel it in my body. And first it really freaked me out, but now I'm learning to discern it. Like every time I walk into my oral communications class, I want to vomit. But like, I like public speaking. Like yeah, I get nervous, but not like, to the point where I want to throw up. So I'm like, okay. I'm learning to like discern, like these are other people's emotions that I'm feeling. But it's taking a lot of time to learn. Yeah, we had someone in my small group who had the same thing, like, he just seemed to really, he and actually his dad too seemed to have the same thing, that when he would pray for someone, all of a sudden, like, their burdens became his, and they would just kind of feel what they feel. I had that happen once at her dad's funeral. I didn't know the guy or anything, but I could not stop crying the whole time. It was driving me crazy. It's like I could feel everybody else's sadness. Oh. That time, I was just like, I don't understand. Yeah. It was awful. It's kind of like something on the last Alphas episode. On uh, what? Last Alphas episode. Oh, I didn't catch up yet. Welcome to make some, some people feel that it's you. It's kind of worse. It's actually... You take that out. <laughs> <laughs> no, we'll leave that one. It's actually a great gift to have. Because, I mean, that's... Once you learn how to control. Yeah. And otherwise, I mean, it really messed me up when I was 
like not realizing what I had. Cause I, was like, I have mood swings. All these emotions. I'm always so depressed. Like I got all this baggage after I come away from these spiritual moments. Never gonna keep a boyfriend. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But yeah, that's a great thing. Once you learn that it is that, then you can actually, you know, pray for people quite easily when you know what's going on with them. Other things. And also that's another form of prophecy or another hint that I forgot to write in there. You can write it down if you want, but empathy for people as well as uh, you might feel something. Like I know one story, somebody had burning pain in their stomach and finally they just like stood up and they're like, someone else here have this burning pain because I can't figure it out. Yeah. Someone else stands up and like, that's me, man. Let's pray for each other right now. They go pray and they go pray for each other and it's gone. And, uh, or even we're at the homeless shelter once and I know Ken's just like, comes up and he's like, uh, before we go on to the next song, somebody here, your foot hurts, you've injured it. Someone like stands up. I my foot hurts. <laughs> my foot. Your your right ankle, right? Yeah. <laughs> okay, come up. Let's pray for you. <laughs> they pray for him, and he's like, "How's it feel?" He's like, "It doesn't hurt now." <laughs> and you'll find when you pray for healing, people who have never seen it just like they don't react right to it. Really? It's not like a. It's gone. It's just like it feels okay. <laughs> it's good, I guess gonna go (laughs) this is how people react but you also see here that prophecy really intersects with other gifts as well right like there usually if God gives you like you gotta pray for healing for someone there's your prophetic moment right and usually if he's gonna tell you to do that not always but usually it's because he's gonna do something about it you know whether it's in their heart that they see that that God did that or they actually get healed in that moment like that guy um, okay, we're getting close to the end, so if you have other stories or anything like this. I have a question. Yeah. On this. Now, I've had times where I felt like I should pray for somebody for, you know, healing mm-hmm. or whatever, but what if they don't, what if they choose for you not to do so? Mm-hmm. Can you, you st- I mean, does it do, would it do any good to still pray for them, so to speak, you know what I mean? I would still do it anyways. Yeah. Um but as far as uh, you've at least planted a seed there, you know, mm-hmm. like even if they reject it, there's at least that uh, that they might want it later or they might come back to you when they're desperate. Um, oh, my gosh. Yeah, We're going to have to pray sure. for healing right now. <laughs> yeah, pretty sure that's what I thought it was. Something like a shotgun. Should we uh, call the cops or something? Well, I'm pretty sure somebody's calling them right now. Might as well. Well, unless everyone's thinking what you're thinking. Do we, do we want to? Let's go, go ahead. ahead and just do that real quick. Service. You got it or you want to do it? Yeah, I got it. Yeah. We'll edit this part out. No, dude, they took our day. Okay. <laughs> Lady was panicking more than I was. Hello? Hello? <laughs> I just want to report a gunshot. Where was it? <laughs> uh, you're making me nervous, lady. Uh, where were we? Oh. You're supposed to be calling me, though. <laughs>
Um, we were talking about healing. Yeah. Or praying. Pray, pray praying for, for somebody, someone. whether it's a healer or whatever. But yeah. You ask them if they can pray for them, and they're, I've been told it all a couple of times. Hmm. I would just, uh, I've actually, oh, I have. I've strangely experienced a high success rate, and everyone except maybe one person has mm-hmm. always just said yes. Um, so maybe you're just rejected pretty. Why? <laughs> well, it's, it's the person I think had a bad relationship, yeah. and so, yeah, you know. No, it's understandable. Um, but and just from at least from my experience, I would say you can always offer it. Because especially, like, when I prayed for homeless people, I don't know them. I just right. sit down and talk with them before I leave. And usually, like, can I pray for you? And I've only been rejected once, and I didn't treat that guy very well, so I can understand why. Yeah. man. <laughs> <laughs> but if you give them money first, <laughs> which I actually is usually what I do, give them money, then ask if I can pray. So the one guy I didn't said no. Um, but, but... People are actually usually okay with prayer. Mm-hmm. If they're not, that's fine. Just pray for them outside of that and pray, too, that they'll come and ask you for it at some point. Right. What I do, I can't figure out if this is just my paranoia or actually a concern. When you're praying for someone, especially for healing, mm-hmm. just be careful. Like, you know, if they've got a permanent disability... Oh, yeah. This is sensitive. Right. Like, I've got friends who, every time someone in a wheelchair goes by, like, let's go pray for them. I'm like, Mm -hmm. if they've been to a church, especially, uh, you know, charismatic one, they probably get that every single week. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You know, and if you pray for them right now and they don't get up, that's probably going to be maybe a little damage on their heart as to, especially if they're not Christian, like... Well, they see this that was quick. It was quick, wasn't it? I've never yeah. seen a cop respond that Holy fast. Cow. Sorry, okay. It's because we said, <laughs> said it was a shotgun in this area. But uh, just be sensitive. I'm mm-hmm. not saying be a wuss. Right. Okay? Because it's much easier for me to be a wuss to... I can confront homeless people with no problem. I don't know why. But when it comes to people on the street that mm-hmm. I'm just walking by and they've got a cane or something, I'm a little more... Sensitive as to A, is it going to offend them when I ask if I can pray for them? Right. Or, or uh, B, is it just uh, something else? Right. Anyways, but do not do not use that as an excuse because I think mm-hmm. that's typically what I do. So, thoughts, questions, comments. Question about uh, somebody with a, like a chronic illness or disability or something like that. I mean. Uh-huh. In the absence of actually hearing a prophecy from God to go and pray for that person, mm-hmm. you know, how, how do you pray for that person? Do you pray for healing? Yeah. Or do you, you do? I do. You do every time? I think you always should, um, no. unless you're offending them somehow. Even then, I'd still try to sneak it in. <laughs> yeah. what, what I see is healing. I don't necessarily see an anointing of healing on my life right now. But I do see that you can learn prophecy, which is a spiritual gift. Mm -hmm. And I just in general feel that the more you press into God and the more you show you're able to handle, the more he'll give you. And I think that the faith Mm -hmm. to keep saying, I'm going to pray for healing no matter what happens, I think that really puts on you this whole, just this, this, uh, it shows God that you're willing to handle this gift if you give it.
because you'll find, you know, like, there are people who are anointed with healing who have prayed for certain individuals who just never mm-hmm. seem to get healed. And there's actually a lot of stories of that where there's that one person who they've been prayed for by every famous person who's <laughs> ever prayed for healing and they still haven't got it. I still don't give up. You still don't give up. I still say you press in no matter what. Or maybe it's one of those kind that only comes out with fasting. You know, mm-hmm. you got to fast and pray and push in. But I've seen more healings happen just by people praying for healing than people who have gotten a word that they need to pray for. it. In fact, I'd say that most healings happen because you've just gone and said healing is something that we pray for here because mm-hmm. we feel it a necessity. Um, then God saying pray for that person. Because I just I heard a story once about somebody that uh, kind of left an impression on me that they got cancer. I mean, they, they did survive, and yet mm. they got cancer. And, and instead of being surrounded or wanting to be surrounded by people who would constantly pray for his healing, he kind of prayed to God and, and got the idea that maybe uh, you know maybe he needed to die, and that God was using him to show people how they mm-hmm. could die. Mm. You know, and, and in which case, you know, praying for healing for him would be counter to maybe what God's plan could have been for him. So I just you know, I wonder whether the two yeah, kind of oppose each other. I wonder yeah. that same thing, like, if someone is sick or has cancer or something and they keep praying for healing, what if, or what if they have yeah. this disease for some reason, some spiritual reason, whether it be maybe, you know, when they're at the hospital to witness or to the doctors or the nurses or to help somebody else who has that disease, help them through it or whatever. There, I heard another story uh, one time about a guy who lost uh, like a daughter to uh, either an illness or an accident or something. And, and I remember the story went that he's out, you know, mowing the lawn one day, and he's kind of he's, you know, anger surfaces every now and again about it, and it's still pretty fresh. And I guess one day he's mowing the lawn and he's angry at probably at God, and he's like, you know, why did you take her? And he, I remember the story was that, like a prophecy, straight to his head, the answer came that. Basically, if God didn't take her now, that for whatever reason something would happen in her life, that she would walk away from God. So He took her now, so that she could go to heaven, and not lose faith. I mean, yeah, not to say that we shouldn't pray for yeah, anybody no. else, but um, you know what? I don't, mm-hmm. I don't entirely know. I, I do have a lot know. To say about healing, if you don't mind. Yeah. I just have a really huge experience in my life. Because, okay, my dad was really, really sick. Like, yeah, my dad had this disease, and the doctors had no idea, and he had it my whole life. And people had prayed for him for 17 years, and he was going to die. I pretty much was like, okay, see you in heaven, Dad. And he was healed, like 100%. So I think that don't give up praying for someone just because you're not seeing healing because it took 17 years <laughs> to right. heal my dad. And if people don't want to be healed, a lot of people find identity in their sickness. Yeah, and some people just don't want to let go of that. Mm-hmm. So I would respect that. That's just me. And thirdly, if someone's not supposed to be healed, God's not going to heal them. Right. Like, right. That's, I don't know. That's yep. just how I feel. Like, if someone's going to go through a sickness, like, obviously now that my dad's been through it, it's like, that's probably okay, but... Mm-hmm. He's not just going to heal it because it's nice and we like yeah. to be happy. Like... Yeah, there's a few things I see. I mean, we'll deal with healing on another night too, but um, when you look at Jesus, he always prayed for healing. 
you know, pretty much you never see that I can think of off the top of my head where he's like, I'm not going to pray for you. <laughs> um, he always prayed for healing. There was one time where he prayed and the dude didn't, he only got like half healed. Came back, he's like, everything looks like trees. Okay, well now you're healed, you know. Right. Um, but altogether, it seems like Jesus puts together this model that you just pray. In fact, when he goes home, he's actually able to not see as much stuff happen as he wanted to because the people there didn't believe in it. Um, and there's healing so difficult to, to deal with because so many people drop out of the healing ministry so many times because it's probably one of the most confusing of all of them. It's like we try to make this formula in our head that if you pray, yeah. it should happen. <laughs> and when it comes to healing... God seems to kind of bounce around, you know? Mm -hmm. Like, this person got healed, this person didn't. I don't understand why this is. All I know is that you pray for healing no matter what. And if somebody really feels like they're going to die because it's just like they're, they're supposed to, there's still, like, absolutely nothing wrong with praying that they don't. I think they'll be happy if for some reason they do live. Um... <laughs> And, uh, you know, like she said, God's going to answer it if God planned on answering it. But I do wonder how many people have died because we didn't pray for healing. Mm -hmm. uh, I know my, uh, my perception on uh, praying for healing has changed dramatically over the last few months. Uh, mm -hmm. Everybody, maybe you don't know, somebody had lung cancer. And so um, I know for me, like in praying for, for people who've had sickness before, not every time, but I just know that... Um, my prayer was almost more like wishful thinking, instead of instead of uh, having you know the absolute power of the spirit and confidence that praying for for healing in Christ's name is a hundred percent and that with authority and hmm. I mean I know that it's like a renewed thing for me because it's my dad as opposed to praying hmm. in the past and I I think maybe when it comes to praying for healing one of the reasons that it might not always work as much as it should is because when people pray for healing it's like fingers crossed instead yeah. of in, in all the guide other, the surgeon's the hands. I mean, guide the surgeon's hands. Yeah, yeah you know. It's usually what you pray. Yeah. Which, which in itself is... Which isn't bad. Not bad, right. <laughs> but I think we just, we pray in hope, in, in hope rather than pray in confidence. Yeah. 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 That's, that's the thing. Healing is one of the trickiest things. And the thing is that I realize you just pray no matter what. Yeah. As many times as it takes, sometimes it doesn't get answered till 17 years yeah. later on the... 5,000th prayer. Um, but if you don't pray that 5,000th time, you just, you know, might have missed it. <laughs> I don't think you're responsible for, for killing me. Um, but I've seen a few things in my own life, like outside of my house, a semi came by, hit a car, chopped the lady's legs off, she went flying out of her car. I was there praying for her. Me and my dad were praying for her the whole time. She was never able to talk during that time, um, but she eventually could move her hands. And, she, like, she, I don't know how she lived. I mean, she got cut off at the right place. Mm -hmm. I guess she didn't bleed out, but, like, she just kept saying someone else was in the car. We were looking for him everywhere. Someone else was in the car. Someone else was in the car. Never find anyone else. She gets oxygen. She's like, no one else was in the car. It was just me. It's like someone else was in that car, lady. You should not be alive right now. I don't, it doesn't even make any sense. Um, is this something with death in general? I don't know. This was. This is one of those things. I guess you could kind of call it prophecy. 
I bawled my eyes out when my dog died, which, I don't know, it sounds petty, but you've all had a dog yeah. probably die, and you understand the pain. But, like, I was crying like crazy. I was like, God, why did you invent this? And, like, in that moment, it was, like, one of those kind of instant answers. Like, I didn't. <laughs> I was just like, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> right. I feel better now. <laughs> um, but, yeah. Uh, other thoughts, things before we wrap up? Okay, what do you think effort creatures, creatures say that's like? When you get healed, you have to keep your healing? Oh. Because, yeah. like, if, whether it be, you know, you have to pray every day or whatever, because if you don't, you'll get the disease back. I'm like... I think, I think people can get it back. Mm-hmm. I'm not entirely sure why or how. I do have one friend who has to take pills all the time, is very, very sick. Uh, one day... He was prayed for, and he felt like this burning in him, and felt like he'd been healed. He never got checked by a doctor, but he said he was healed, and then he lived perfectly fine for the next few months, and then all of a sudden, he realized it was back. Now, for me, I do wonder if that was more of a, you never checked on it, and you might have just been living off of emotion, mm-hmm. but I, I think it is... I don't know that you lose your healing. I'm just, I would go more with, you You do have a lot of spiritual forces that you're not seeing that you're dealing with between demons and between God. And actually, you'll find throughout the New Testament, demons are responsible for some of the sicknesses that people have, you know. And you cut a demon out of your life, they come back with six friends to try to get you back into it. That could have something to do with it. Like I said, we'll talk about healing, but there are so many different avenues and so many questions, mm-hmm. so many that I actually cannot answer. Mm-hmm. But a lot of times it comes down to divine sovereignty and your faith to just press in, but um, it's definitely all over the place. Um, okay, I usually just try to hit on a few things before we wrap up. That's usually what the last page is for. So prophecy for noobs, that's what I called it. Um, a note on false prophecy. Remember, you can learn to prophesy. Chances are you may screw it up while you're learning. That does not make you a false prophet, okay? Because a lot of times that what you, that's why some people don't even pursue this at all. Well, I don't want to screw it up because then I'll be a false prophet. Then I'm going to be going to hell or something. No, a false prophet is someone who's like intentionally trying to lead you down the wrong path trying to persuade you to join them in their own kind of like confused way that they need people to follow them Mm -hmm. or maybe through demonic forces or um, trying to actually do some kind of like, you know, fortune telling, things like that. That's false prophecy. If you're actually pursuing God and you're actually trying to learn and you're actually trying to prophesy over someone and you screw it up, that is not false prophecy. That's prophecy that wasn't right, Right. okay? But that's not true false prophecy. Um, So I just want to make that point. Next, the freak out moment. When you're learning about this, there's usually that moment right before, what do I pray? What do I say? God, give me a word. Give me a word. Give me a word. Word, vision, image. Come on, something. And you'll go through this. Um, First off, take a breath, okay? (laughs) The more you do that, the less you're going to hear. 
Remember, if you're trying to get in touch with God's Spirit, you've got to calm down a little bit and just kind of take a moment and listen, okay? So make sure that you just try to relax, especially the more shy you are, Jody, the harder it is sometimes to be able to uh, uh, pray um, for others. This was me forever. And you know what? I still don't get it right half the time. When it comes down to it, if you still have nothing by that few seconds of silence or minute of silence that you were trying to listen, if you still have nothing, pray the nicest prayer you possibly can for that person. I tell you, I've got to this point where I'm like, I got nothing. All right, nicest prayer ever. I do that, and they start bawling, okay? Like, I'm like, I don't know if you think I'm prophesying or if you just like nice prayers, but um. I... <laughs> I thought she was looking at you. Rolling she was gonna, she was gonna kill me. <laughs> but uh, when it comes down to that, pray the nicest prayer. And here's the other thing: while you're praying the nicest prayer, you may find yourself calming down, mm-hmm. and you may find that as you get into it, all of a sudden God gives you something. Um, other thing: be smart while praying. Okay. It is okay to say, "I think God is saying," or. I'm trying to listen to God, and I might be wrong, but here's what I feel he might be saying. It's okay to pray that when you're trying to prophesy. You don't have to be like, thus saith the Lord. (laughs) This is why people don't like prophecy, okay? Because someone thus saith the Lord to them, and it was not the Lord. All right? It's like, you need to get off pornography. It's like, I have never seen a pornographic (laughs) image in my life. Or you need to stop sleeping with your girlfriend. It's like, excuse me? Who are you? You know, this this happens all the time. I got a boyfriend. I'm a girl. Like, this happens all the time where where people are are more, more convinced that they need to be high on their pride and be right about something than they're convinced that they really need to try to do this right and just... Pray, mm-hmm. all right? So don't... don't... Tell them to go home and pray about it. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. Or, you know, it may even be sometimes you pray for something and they actually don't even realize in that moment that that's a problem and later it might occur to mm-hmm. them. Just, just you know, be smart. The other thing, uh, try to discern between private and public prophecies, Okay. Uh, there's too many times where things like that are true. You need to stop dealing with pornography. From the pulpit, you say that. And all of a sudden, this guy has been singled out in front of everyone, maybe even his loved ones, and everyone in the entire church knows, and they're staring at him all the time, you know? That's how you chase someone out of your church. Yeah, you would. You would. Especially if it's true. (laughs) You know? So when you get a word, try to distinguish... The more personal it is, usually, the more private it needs to be, okay? Uh, The more private, because there's people, this shows you how much God trusts us, that he would give you that word and uh, know there's the possibility that you might tell that to everyone, okay? That's how much God trusts you. So if you just don't discern at all, you're really taking advantage of that trust. Take some time, be like, can I do this in front of everyone, you know? If it's like a future prophecy, like you're going to go on and you're going to pastor over people. You're going to teach over people. You're going to raise orphanages. Okay, well, who has a problem with that? That's fine. You could tell that to everyone. 
But if it's like a serious personal issue, you're struggling with this, 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 or this, that doesn't always need to be said in front of everyone unless for some reason God really tells you. So those are just some pointers on prophecy for noobs. You won't learn this if you don't try to step up to it. I mean, you'll find that God will use you in some ways anyways, like you wake up and you know you got to pray for someone. Um, but you really learn from doing it, as with anything, riding a bike. You can watch all the videos you want, but until you get on that thing, it's not going to work. Riding a horse is just impossible, so I won't use that analogy. <laughs> um, so the next two weeks we'll pray for people, and then at the homeless shelter, the people who need it the most, let me tell you, we'll be praying for them as well. And you can group up too. If that makes you feel better, you can grab one other person and the both of you can pray back and forth between each other. Uh, let's do it real quick right now. It's almost about time we'll wrap up, but let's just pray for each other right now. Find one partner, preferably someone you know the least wellest. Everyone's on hand. <laughs> Um, but somebody just team up with whoever you don't know the most about and try to pray for them. Well, 60 seconds and then pray for that person, whatever comes to mind, if nothing comes to mind, nice as prayer, and then anything else that comes to mind after that. And then I'll, I'll tell you when we're going to switch, so 60 seconds of pray, starting now. Well, um, thanks for coming. Hannah, would you mind closing us down for? Sure. Thanks. Well, Lord, I just thank you for bringing us all here today and for, um, I don't know, just opening our minds to new ideas and new ways of connecting with you. Lord, I ask that you give us patience and persistence hmm. in um, practicing these exercises, Lord, that, um, and that we recognize failure not as just failure, but as um, just growing. God, I ask. Um, you give us opportunities to practice. And thank you for um, and helping us on Jalen's heart to share with us. Amen. Amen. The three P's of prophesying. <laughs> the three P's of prophesying, patient, persistence, and practice. That's huge. I heard something about pizza. <laughs> <laughs> Jody just cheers food everywhere. <laughs>